Heyo, and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 22 of the podcast. So I am very excited to bring you guys my second interview. I'm going to be interviewing Karen today. Karen is a Karen works at a, a local community college here in New Jersey in the disability office. So we're going to talk to her today about what goes on in the disability office, uh, what resources are typically available to students there, and how you can, how kind of getting involved and um, getting linked with the disability office might help you getting closer to those goals that you guys have been working on this semester. So. Here we are. Welcome, Karen. Uh, welcome to the College Student Success Podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks, Derek. Thanks for asking me to be on. Appreciate it. Um, so I am interested kind of hearing your path there um, to a disability services. What is it, a coordinator? What is your title? Yeah, I'm the coordinator of disability services here. Um, and I guess my path really comes through um being trained well first obtaining a a degree in psychology and i worked in community mental health for many years and then deciding to obtain a master's degree in re rehabilitation counseling and rehabilitation counseling is specific to working with people who have disabilities and um, although they have a disability, assisting them to have the best quality of life that they can have. So one of the areas that rehabilitation counselors work in is in higher education, uh, in disability services departments around the nation. Okay. So when you went into rehab counseling, did you th did you think like, ah, oh, I really want to work in a school or I really want to work with college students or kind of was that no. just where you ended up? Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. I really, really thought that I would be working um, in community mental health. Mm -hmm. But I think as I got more of my degree... Uh, the education that I received from the degree, I started having an interest, a wider interest in working with uh, people who have all kinds of disabilities. Mm -hmm. So I did go and I worked for another year with my master's degree in community mental health. But then I really started feeling that I wanted to make a change, that I wanted to um, have broader experience with individuals who have disabilities and you know this job came up and I was qualified and got the job and it's been a really great experience. I do work with a large number of individuals who have psychiatric disabilities but I also work with all kinds of individuals who happen to have other kinds of disabilities also. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that about you. So yeah, we really, I mean, our connection together from the past yeah. is in the mental health field and, and through our department, which yeah. is really focused, you know, in the disability world on, you know, mental health issues. And then to hear, you know, you're, you kind of say, 
you know, my I, I like working with people with mental illness, but um, I, I had an interest in seeing, you know, working with people with other types of disabilities, too. It kind of is a great fit, I would imagine, being yeah. in that kind of office now. Absolutely. And, you know, the skills I learned as um, in, as uh, psychiatric rehabilitation um, counselor really have great crossover into working with a wider population. And then just the learning that comes along with being able to um, provide services for people with learning disabilities, um, provide services to people who uh, might have orthopedic impairment or um, TBIs or any of those things really um, just broadens my knowledge about really people in general, you yeah. know, because really in some way in our lives, we all experience places where we're not the best, we're not the most competent, you mm -hmm. know, and you start to see the whole spectrum of people, yeah. you know, and it it's so great to understand that individuals uh, may have a disability, but it really doesn't and shouldn't define who they are, that that individuals who happen to have disabilities can be quite successful in life. And, you know, in a school environment, I see it all the time. So it's great. Yeah, I bet you've seen a lot of success stories. Yeah. Um, all right, so people listening to this show are college students, probably with, a, you know, with mental health issues. That's sort of the people sure. that I cater to. But, you know, I kind of put it out there for all disabilities. So let's talk about the stuff they would want to know about. Um, so what goes on in your office? You know, I imagine, I think it's almost like the law that every every school have a disability office. Uh, so what goes on there in, in a typical day during the semester? Okay, so um, what, I, what I would tell uh, students first and foremost, um, students who are coming from a high school environment directly into a college environment, um, and perhaps they've had a learning disability or some sort of disability that has prompted them to have an individualized education plan or IEP, mm -hmm. or perhaps they have a 504 plan. So that's something that identifies them as a student with a disability, but that they really don't need many supports at all. Mm -hmm. They're just identified there. So what happens is students are um, evaluated uh, during high school, they have educational evaluations and psychological evaluations done, not psychiatric, psychological. Mm -hmm. And that information on those evaluations helps me to set reasonable accommodations here in higher education. So in higher ed, there's no more special ed. But what we do is we provide what are known as reasonable accommodations to assist students in kind of leveling the playing field. So maybe they process things a bit slower, yeah. or maybe they have an anxiety disorder that um, interferes with their ability to take a test in a regular classroom because they get too anxious when um, everybody's handing in their tests and they're not done. 
So maybe they need to go to the testing center and get some extra time for taking their tests. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at those evaluations and I'm setting accommodations to help students be successful here. But they still have to do the same work that everyone else does. Mm -hmm. um, and But we just provide them with the opportunity to show that they know the material um, and they can show their professors that they know the material and can be graded on it. Yeah. So when you look at those IEPs, mm -hmm. are you recommending accommodations or is it still up to the student really to kind of know in their mind what they feel like they need? So I really am using um, the data that's collected in those evaluations to set accommodations. But I also want to have a conversation with students about what their needs are. Mm -hmm. um, so many students don't know what accommodations are. And it's not really like a uh, you can pick what you'd like, but I will know that perhaps a student who um, has ADD or ADHD may need to sit in a certain uh, section of the room. Mm -hmm. And they may need extra time on their tests. They may, may need to tape their lectures because their mind's drifting a little bit. Um, and things like that. So I will start speaking to them about what do you think you need? Like, would this be helpful? You know? Yeah. Um, and certainly people who come to me. Now, let me talk about um, uh, people who have psychiatric uh, disabilities. Mm -hmm. So though people who have a psychiatric disability, I have a form that they can bring to their doctor, their psychiatrist, whoever is tr overseeing their treatment, and they can have a conversation with the doctor about where they're really affected and then I will take that form and again have a discussion with them about what they what could work for them and we craft the accommodations for them so everybody is an individual here you know some people don't want to use their accommodation forms in every class they might use them for a few classes where they really um, need them. Others use them for every class. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because that's something I've talked about. Uh, I did a sh uh, an episode earlier just about uh, the accommodations request process. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So um, people who have listened to that should have sort of an idea. Um, but I like how you talk about asking for things and you know the student may need it or may not and it's sort of up to them if they want to um you know sort of use it uh i think it's would probably be more helpful if they do that ahead of time than what i'm dealing with in the middle of the semester where i have students that are struggling and now they're trying to get the accommodations yes. um is it a little bit would you suggest that you know kind of being a little oh, proact proactive absolutely. in that yeah Absolutely. Being proactive, having accommodations set by the beginning um, really helps the process. Of course, I right now have about uh, a pile of eight 
different documents for students that I'll need to go through and um, set accommodations. And really, we're in the last four weeks of school, you know. But a, a student can request accommodations at any time. But I would say that a student should keep this in mind, especially if they're bringing new documents that need to be evaluated, in that Although it's an emergency for the student because they're in the middle of a semester, it's not an emergency for disability services providers. Mm -hmm. So that's why being proactive is the best way to approach it. Um, You don't want to set accommodations um, as a repair to what's going on, but you want to have them up front so that you don't have to repair things later on in the semester. Yep. Um, Great. I um, we just did a show on being proactive, so I'm glad that this got this theme got weaved into it. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, what are the typical uh, types of assistance that you guys provide at Disability Services? So, I know accommodations are a piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. So, I was wondering if you could talk about what are the most common accommodations, and also, do you do anything else other than accommodations? Sure, sure. So, um, okay, most common accommodations, extra time on tests, Mm -hmm. going to the testing center to have a quieter place to take a test, Um, the four-function calculator, um, probably the most sought-after accommodation, but I'm really glad to say that my college, starting in spring, everyone will be able to use a calculator. Um, And the great thing about this, and maybe we could talk about this later, is that when everyone is allowed to use things such as a door that opens automatically, it makes it not something that only people with disabilities use, but it normalizes the situation for everyone. So starting in spring, it'll be normal for people to have calculators. Um, A lot of my students use what's called a smart pen. Um, There are a couple different brands, but it's a notebook, a specialized notebook and a specialized pen. They're about $100, and um, the pen, as you write your notes, records what the professor is saying. And when you go back to your notebook, if you don't understand what your note said, you can place the pen at the beginning of that note and you will actually hear that the pen will know where you started writing that note as compared to what it was recording and will play what the teacher was saying. This is a great thing for students. (coughs) Excuse me, Derek. So that they can really organize their notes they can organize their notes and they can really um, know what they're missing from their notes. Yeah, I think that (laughs) smart pens are just like amazing and I'm so glad you brought them up. Um, I actually have yet to take advantage of talking about them, so maybe I'll devote an episode to smart pens in the future because (laughs) a lot of the research I had done Um, meeting with college students um, on campuses that had been involved with the disability office or even ones that hadn't and just discovered them on their own 
would sing their praises um, and be all about their smart pens. Um, So, yeah, that's a good one. And now, would that be something only available to students if they had an accommodation in most cases? Or kind of would all... I mean, they could certainly purchase smart pens from Amazon. Yeah. Or I have maybe 15 here that I lend out to students who have accommodations, but they are not very, um, when you're just holding a pen and a notebook, I mean, I think it's very unobtrusive. It doesn't look any different. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't until a student that I was taking a class with actually showed it to me that I even realized it was anything other than a regular pen. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like the pens you get from TD Bank, the green ones. Yes, you know? the big fat ones. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so you brought up that you have some on hand that you can sure. loan out to people, and that's a really kind of good segue into some of the other services that disability offices might provide. Um, sure. Loaners, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we lend out um, the the smart pens. Like I said, I also have digital recorders that I can loan out. I also don't loan this, but I do. I link students to something called Bookshare. <coughs> I'm sorry for coughing. That's okay. Um, Bookshare is um, <coughs> an online resource which students can use to obtain books electronically. <coughs> so it really helps um, it really helps for students who have a hard time with reading. They can go ahead and listen to their books being read. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. And it's a it's a free service for students who have certain learning disabilities and dyslexia. So it's really good. Mm-hmm. So I have students that kind of at all at all phases um, in their goal attainment process. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up that students can kind of access the disability office you know, pretty much at any time in the semester. Um, although it's best to do it in the beginning, <laughs> as you said, it, sure. it could be their crisis. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's your guy's crisis. Right. But uh, we still try to, we try to go quickly, you know, because what's reasonable, right? Yeah. yeah. So we still want to meet students' needs and all that. It, it, yeah. So, but I just want students to be aware that it's a process. I have to have time to evaluate what they gave to me. Yeah. So so expect a little bit of a turnaround time. Yeah, and there's don't, a little bit of turnaround. <laughs> don't barge into your your disability office with your form in hand and demand, you know, I need this today because I'm going to have a test. That's a tough one, yeah. you know. Okay, that's really helpful, yeah. helpful information. Yeah. Um, now, how would somebody find your office? Okay, so... <clears throat> Certainly, they could search disability services in a search box of any college. It'll come up. Mm-hmm. Also, when we 
accept students to our college, there's a letter that says if you're a student with a disability, this is how you connect to the um, disability office, and these are the documents that you need to provide. Okay. So most any college is going to have some sort of page on their website devoted to your office and how to access it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, any, now I'm, now I'm going to probe you a little bit (laughs) because now I'm looking for the dirty, dirty, (laughs) the stuff that might not be on your website, (laughs) but just would be general, practical, helpful things that students would, would be um, a little kind of give them a little bit of an edge in getting the help that they need from you guys Um, what would be you know some suggestions you'd have um you know they're probably fairly simple one we already talked about be proactive be vocal students who go to college um, many are coming right out of high school where their parents really handled their special needs or, you know, their special services that they were provided with in um, in the high school environment. In college, a student needs to be proactive for themselves. Many times I can't call back a parent. So that can delay the process for students. Um, let's see, what else, what else? So I think also reading the letter, sometimes I'll send a letter (coughs) that says, I need more information, but they don't read it. And that slows things up. Yeah. So read your mail, everybody. Yes. <laughs> respond yeah, to respond to these requests if they mm-hmm. do need you know additional documentation and whatnot. Um, I really like some of the things that you, you mentioned and just kind of being you know they are common sense, but it's like good things to know to kind of get things a little um, yeah. a little little more easily. Um, one question I had at the end. Um, that I didn't send you initially, but I wanted to stress it because I know students are often a little hesitant to potentially register there because they're afraid of what their teacher finds out, you know, so I know, let's say they get an, uh, um, an accommodation for, you know, um, the, the ability to take your test and the testing center. What will, what does this, the teacher find out about the student? Like, do they say the student has, uh, you know, an auditory disability uh, or, you yeah, know, yeah. what so, um, can they be no, assured of in terms of confidentiality? Sure, sure. So all students, um, when documents are provided to a disability services office, it is like providing them to your doctor. It is protected health information and only the individuals who work in disability services can look at those documents or find the records of those documents. So the way my process works is um, I'm going to review your documents and then um, if you're approved for accommodations, I'm going to provide you with what we call an accommodation alert form. This is a form that you will provide to your professor that says 
I, that this student is protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act, and that they have provided um, sufficient documentation that enables them to receive accommodations at school. And then basically, these are the accommodations, and it will list them. And I will ask the student to sign the form. And the student is signing that they understand that it is their responsibility to notify their professors that they receive accommodations. And also that by receiving accommodations, they understand that other students may become aware of their special needs, OK? And that might be because you're never in class when you take a test because you're taking a test in the testing center. So there is something about the process that may make others say, hmm, maybe that student has a disability. But in no way does it say what the disability is. Um, and, you know, I tell many students who are a little nervous, like, you could have just broken your arm and just had the cast taken off and it takes you longer to write, so therefore you're going to go to the testing center to take a test, you know? Um, and then, so the student signs, the professor signs, and I sign the form, and the accommodations are in place. Yeah. I'm so glad I asked that question because I had actually... I thought that I'm, I'm glad you, you clarified that it's really up to sure. the student to bring it up to the professor's attention. That And it go, goes back to what you said earlier. It's like you can get the accommodation and then choose not to use it. Absolutely. And that's a very, I think, empowering way to approach it rather than, you know, you're, it almost like commits you to it when you step in it's like no you've requested it it's approved like you're gonna it's going to be all your professors are gonna know no because they control the form so they have an electronic version of the form whatever classes they're going to use it for they print that form and they bring it to their professor yeah so it's totally got to be about self-identification which leads into the second thing, which is a really important thing to consider, is that depending on the accommodation, um, it you might stand out in some way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some teachers are probably a little more subtle than others when it comes to this, right? Um, you know, the one that raises, you know, is like, hey, you, you know, you're the one that with the accommodation. It's yeah. time for you to go in the other room versus just kind of having a, a head signal of sorts, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I know I try and be as discreet as possible yeah. when, when talking with students about those kinds of things because you never know how people, you know, exactly. want, uh, you know, how much they want disclosed. So, you know, that is something to consider when you do, you know, depending on the accommodation. But again, it's up to you. You could get it and you could see how other students, you know, chances are there's other students in the class that have accommodations too. Um, and you could see how they get, um, are treated and choose then to either, you know, go ahead and, and join or not. So. Exactly, exactly. And I figure, and I do tell this quite frequently to my students that we're we're around a 10,000 student uh our college and um, about 5% of all students receive accommodations or are registered with my department. 
So that's a fairly large percentage. And um, so more than likely, your professors have already um, seen accommodation forms and that students that are in your class understand this because they've been in other classes where students have left to go take a test or, you know, or a taping a, um, a lecture, things like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, last question. Sure. Do you have any advice for people that are maybe have some kind of um, disability, doesn't have to be mental health, could be any kind of disability, somebody that has a goal in their mind and they've been contemplating, you know, looking into accommodations. They're sort of in that contemplation stage, but they're really not sure. They have some hesitations. What would you say to that kind of student? I'd say come in and have a conversation so that I could speak to you about your concerns about receiving accommodations, but also where do you think you need assistance in order to be successful with school? And, you know, many times I end up saying things like, you know, all the people that you're worried about that might see you as different will be going ahead and moving forward with their education just fine. Don't let them stop you from meeting your goals. You're an adult. There are certain things as adults that we need to deal with, but they shouldn't come between um, the person and their dream, whatever that might be, um, because we know that this is a very important area. Education leads to employment and being satisfied in the employment domain is, uh, is so great to not have to work at a job that you don't like because, because maybe you were hesitant to check out how you might be able to accomplish that. So I think disability services offices are here. The coordinators are ready to have the conversation um, and really counsel you on what, what your needs are and ways that you can proceed with obtaining a college education and getting out there, being employed in an area that makes you feel great when you get up in the morning and you go to your job. That is what we are trying to help people do, right? Absolutely. Um, that is it. That so, is yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Karen. Of I, course. I really appreciate the wealth of knowledge you've brought to this podcast today, you know, talking about things that I I know about, but you mm -hmm. are the, the expert in, and that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to kind of bring to, you know, the, the listening audience. So thank you so yeah. much. Hey, no, no problem at all. I'm glad I... I'm glad to come back at another time if if you want, and um, I really thank you for having you having me on. Okay, great. Thank you, everybody. Have a good weekend. I'll see you back here on Monday. Peace.